What's going on everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Unscripted, the show that brings you professionals from all walks of life, touching on their backstory, their mindset, and how they navigate through adversity and opposition, while providing you practical tips that might help you on your path. I'm your host, two-time Olympian, Olympic bronze medalist, author, and motivational speaker, Akeem Haynes. Now, let's get into the episode. What's going on, everyone? Hope all has been well with my unscripted family, man. Hope the year has been off to a good start so far. Felt like the new year was just here, and now we are a few weeks away from March. So time is doing what it does best, and that's continue to move. Just want to thank everyone that's been listening to the show since season one, or if you're a new listener, I appreciate you. Everyone that watches the show on YouTube, everyone that likes the show on social and shares the podcast on social, everyone that has taken the time to leave a rating and review of the show, it truly does mean a lot. If you haven't already and would like to, it would be greatly appreciated if you did do so. It truly does help keep the show going. Just two quick announcements before I introduce my guest. Yes, we will be jumping right into it. Moving forward as of now, Unscripted will move to a bi-weekly show instead of a weekly show. This could change maybe in the summertime, but for now, this fits the schedule best. But again, it could change depending on a few different factors that we'll get into when we cross that bridge. Secondly, the unscripted YouTube channel will now have more segments on the channel. So all my visual watchers of the show, you can find the full episodes there, of course, but also more clips from the episode over there as well. But that's pretty much it. So now let's get into the episode. Let's jump into it. This week on the show, popping off season four, I'm joined by one of the greatest sprinters of all time the top 100-meter sprinter during his time. He's got 12 world medals, including two gold medals at the Olympic Games and three gold medals at the World Championships across his time. In 1996, he went into the Atlanta Olympic Games, maybe not the favorite, but came out and showed why he probably should have been. Now, at those same games, he crossed the line in a world record time at that time, he ran 9.84 seconds. Then in that same meet, doubled back and helped his team break the Canadian record in the men's four by 100 meters. He is still the current record holder in the 50 meter sprint, as well as the Canadian record holder in the 100 meters. If you haven't guessed by now, I'm talking about the Hall of Famer, Donovan Bailey joins me on the show. I've known Donovan since I was 15 years old. Just real quickly, how I met Donovan. 2008, I was invited to this track meet called the Festival of Excellence in Toronto. And it was a big deal because uh, the year before, Usain Bolt ran 9.69, just broke the record. This is kind of when he kind of came on the scene right in front of the world. And the following year, he would go on to run 9.58, But this was a big meet in Toronto, and Usain Bolt was headlining this event. In the same event, they were having a fastest high school men and women 
in the country and I was invited to this meet. Now, my high school teacher at the time by the name of Ken Rose, which is still one of my good friends today, Donovan Bailey is one of his best friends. I didn't know that at the time. I just knew we were going, I was invited to this meet and we were going to compete at this meet. And so he came with me to this meet. I didn't really know much of the details, but Donovan hosted us and welcomed us in his home and really just showed us a good time. And I always appreciated that because he did not know me whatsoever. I could have been a bad kid. He didn't know, right? But he was very welcoming and opened up his home to us. And I really, really appreciated that and kind of always stuck with me. And ever since then, uh, we've always had a good relationship. He's always been kind to me, always gave me his time. And, you know, it also helps that we, you know, both born in Jamaica, both transitioned to Canada. So, you know, we got that in common as well, too. And as track athletes, and, you know, we did break his Canadian world record in the men's four by one, you know, but always love from Donovan. But this is a different episode, right? I had a great conversation with Donovan, as you are about to hear, but I wanted to get more than what you can find on other podcasts and shows. I wanted to get a little bit more context behind the backstory of Donovan and not just what we often see in the light of his track and field career. I wanted to go back a little bit more. So in this episode, we talk about uh, his early days in Jamaica, we talk about the importance of structure and responsibility that was cultivated in his household. Talk about his experience at Champs. Champs is Jamaican high school championships. We also talk about his transition to Canada. We talk about why he decided to leave his corporate job to pursue a career in track and field. Also talk about the 1994 to 1996 timeline build up to the Olympic Games and the backstory behind the 1996 Olympic Games, including the bombing that almost stopped the games from happening. Not a lot of people remember that there was something that almost stopped the games from happening. And we dig a little bit into that as well. We also talk about the mentality of what it takes to be a champion in a high pressure situation. We reflect on his career and he has a new book coming out in the fall and we get into a little bit of that and what he hopes to get across in that book as well. And we have so much more stories and laughter in between. So with all that being said, season four is here. We're back in the swing of things. You know, we just like to get into it and we like to get things flowing. So enjoy this week's episode with Donovan Bailey. What's up, Yuch? What's going on with you? Hey, the the the, the brat guy look wicked. <laughs> yes, another day, man. Another day, another day, man. You good? Yeah, yeah. All is all is well. The all is well, D man. Um, You're first of all, no, no. I'm 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 in Charlotte right now. Actually, I moved down oh, yeah, here. Yeah, that's right. Ken mm -hmm. told me that you were living somewhere. I just didn't know exactly where it was. Yeah, yeah, I'm in, I'm in Charlotte now. I'm in Charlotte now. Want to be respectful of your time, man. I know you have a lot of different things going on. You know, we're going to touch you. on a bunch of things to do a little, a little track and feel, of course, but I don't really want to start too much there, D. I like to start every, uh, every episode, especially in the last season, with things that I do from a day-to-day -day standpoint. And I start mm -hmm. the day with gratitude, D. So give me three things you're grateful for today, man. Um. Wow. Uh, well, good to see you. Um, the three things that I'm grateful for, um, uh, health, um, great support system, and um, wow, health, great support system, and um, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of number three. <laughs> because, if, if, because if you got 
because if you got those two, uh, then 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 you really got a whole lot of you got a whole lot of things to live for. Um, so for number one for sure is health. Uh, my support system has always been has always been phenomenal, and um, I guess three the ability to give back. So the ability to support people and and playing it forward so uh, the next generation can be solid, um, you know, solid, uh, productive members of society. No, do you always, you always been good to me. Obviously we got a, a mutual, mutual friend in, uh, in uh, Mr. Rose there. Uh, but you know, my intro, my introduction to track and field uh, wasn't necessarily one that I wanted to do. And when I heard about you, you know, what re What really brought me to it was when I found out that you're Jamaican as well, too. You know, so from there, I was just like, okay, this brother must be solid. Mm -hmm. And right. a lot of people, obviously, Donovan, what you've done for Canada, people know that side. But I actually want to go back a little bit more, D, because you moved moved from Jamaica at, what, 12, 13, right? Somewhere there? Yeah, 12, yeah. But prior towards that, D, you spent, you spent, you spent time in Jamaica. I left when I was seven. But what was it like during those times, man, in the talking about the, the what 1970s there, right? So reggae music coming up and rising. Um, what was it like there? Because the crime rate was high as well, too. So not all of Jamaica was on its rise in a positive sense. But Manchester, man, what, what was the day to day work life balance like during those times for you? I mean, I talk about my Jamaican life all the time. I mean, because it was really a utopia for me. I lived in the country. Um you know, I lived on a farm. I grew up with, you know, I grew up on a farm. So, so you know, sometimes I have, I have to explain what a farm is in Jamaica. A farm <laughs> encompasses encompasses everything. That means we grew everything. We had every kind of animal that's in Jamaica um, on that land. We had, and and we grew any kind of. Well, you know, they talk about bolt and yams. Uh, we had, we had, you know, every kind of vegetable. You know, you know every kind of fruit trees and all that. So it was a utopia for me. The only thing that was awesome, uh, the only thing that we did actually in the country, it it was um, it really was church, uh, school, and sports. Uh, those are those are the, those are the three things. I mean, I uh, you know I recognize sometimes that obviously Jamaica has a stigma for crime and crime in places, uh, but but I the 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 area where I was from. I mean, it's a place you can leave your door open. I mean, it's a yeah. place that. There's a place that, you know, we had, you know, doors and windows were open all the time. Great little community, um, you know, and those are all the, I mean, having, those are all the things I always talk about because having, you know, people who grew up with your parents and you get up thinking that they're your uncle and your aunt, then find out that they're just really solid friends, yeah. you know, for generations, uh, you know. So, so growing up in Jamaica was great. I mean, track and field started for me in Jamaica, so I was, you know, I'm finishing my book, so that comes out this uh, this spring. Uh, but you know, going to Mount Olivet Primary School, you know, I was already uh, one of the uh, top sprinters there. And then I left and went to went after my um, academic scholarship. I went to Knox College High, and I competed at champs one year. So I was actually one of the fastest kids before I moved to Canada permanent. Not a lot of people know that though, right? Because even even. For those who are in the invested in the track and field space, you kind of know about champs. You kind of know about about right. about this one of the biggest magnitude. It's a mini Olympics, basically, is what it is over there. But yeah. but in that yeah. sense, D man, it, it you've been handling pressure for a while now, right? And I tell people all the time, it's like you know when you get on the track, 
it's kind of the easy part because for the two hours, right, you're just training, you're just doing this and that. But growing up on the farm, Donovan, yo, that's a different type of pressure because that's your livelihood. That's the food. That's where you got to eat. But what did those times teach you about yourself, man? Did, did that internal strength, that internal belief come from there? What did working on the farm kind of teach you about life? I don't know about working on the farm. I'm gonna, I don't want to lie about all that. Uh, <laughs> but but what, what, I'm from a household of structure. So uh, it's very clear that um, if I'm asked to do something, whether or not I'm just going to, you know, I'm eight, nine, 10 years old and my responsibility is just to go and open a door so some animals can run out and get, and get fed. I'm saying to you that I, I understood very quickly uh, that structure works for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I understood also very quickly uh, that responsibility and owning uh, your own actions uh, worked for me. I mean, those are the things that kind of put me in a place where I can prepare well and um, and get ready for whatever it is, whatever task I had at hand. You talk about champs, Steve. What was that experience like, man? Were you were you 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 go into a situation where you know the history of Jamaica is strong in track and field, but not a lot of people get the champs and do well. You know, what I'm saying sometimes it takes a little bit. What was those times like for you that experience? Scary as hell, dude. Scary as hell. Scary as hell. I was, you know what? Hey, I, and I, and again, I think people outside of Jamaica probably don't get this. I mean, I was a country boy, so and, and so 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 champs is held in Kingston. Uh, it's the city. It's Kingston College, Calabar, St. Diego. It's like the big schools, and then we're a little tiny country school, but we were fearless. Mm -hmm. But it was still daunting to walk into a stadium when we're used to running on a grass track in the country. And then you get there and it's like the first rubber track. You mm -hmm. see there's, there, there's, there's, a, and there's an audience, uh, there's chanting, there's, there's, there's um, cheerleaders. I mean, like it was absolutely daunting and scary. But you know what? I think that um, the teammates that I had then, I mean, we're still boys today, uh, that uh, it, was, it was just good, man. We kind of. Uh, I think that everyone was nervous as hell, but but understood that we we're also fearless because we were talented enough. I yeah. I don't think that we did not we were we were woefully underprepared, right? <laughs> but but I think that we had uh, we had balls enough to kind of understood that we should take advantage of the opportunity because we ended up coming. I think we ended up coming. I was at I was fifth in the hundred. And then we were fourth in the relay, the four by one relay. So, I mean, so that's something that, uh, that to this day, I mean, uh, like to me, that's my first real participation ribbon that's worthy of something because at least all of us understood whilst competing against the very best in Jamaica that we actually belonged because we were unprepared. Now, D, you know, there's a big part of uh, your story, right? Where it's just like, there's a gap, right? And the move to Canada, right? You would have, did, did you continue running track and field? I know you're big into basketball as well, too. But one, what made you guys, what made you guys move to Canada? But also, what were you doing around that time? Because, you know, the, the, my first stint in Canada, D, you know, I, I, I thought the snow that was coming down, I thought it was sugar. I thought it was a blessing, but it wasn't a blessing because the blessing, our blessing's not cold. You know, <laughs> I thought it was a blessing. But I yeah. did not take full part into sports until a little bit later because I was still getting adjusted to the culture and everything. But 
people always ask me, why do you move to Canada, right? You see Jamaican this and that, but what was the motivation or the inspiration behind you guys moving to Canada? Well, for me, um, you know, like like every immigrant story, I think that you move to Canada for economic reasons. I think it's very important for you to, there's so much more opportunities here. Uh, Jamaica is, is a small island, uh, 2 million people. Canada is the largest country, well, at least land-wise, currently, uh, with 33 million people. And, you know, opportunities, economic opportunities is far greater here uh, than it is obviously on a small island. Uh, so that's that's the number one reason why it is that uh, that my my family moved here. And, and and it's just and I think that my father just wanted to make sure that that my brothers and I um you know one go to school post secondary and just be real good productive members of society. I think that also uh funny enough that you talk about uh you know looking at snow i actually thought when i was in jamaica like so i moved i came to canada when i was seven years old but but it was the summertime so <laughs> yeah so so again i thought oh man this is sweet right so also like you i didn't think snow was sugar i thought it was like cotton so i'm like hey man this is great this is like this is awesome look at it all the kids playing in this yeah you know big balls of cotton on your front yard because uh as you know in jamaica at Christmas time, uh, they paint like uh, the bottom of trees white, and then they yeah. and then they and they they limestone the driveway. So so to get the the I guess the 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 snow like ambiance of what it is that <laughs> that, uh, that 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 um, uh, reading cards are at. And so I thought it was. So I damn near died the first year that <laughs> I came because. I ran outside wanting to play, man, and and I mean, I damn near, I damn near froze my butt off, you know. So, so again, you know, like you, these are all the things. The, I mean, these are the nuances that I had to adjust to when I came here. As far as track and field goes, there's really no, there was no lag in 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 uh, in track and field for me. I I got here at twelve and at thirteen, uh, you know, and that's why I'm, that's why my book's probably imperative. Yeah, yeah, at, yeah. At thirteen years old, I was a Halton. I was a Halt, like so Halton, Oakville region, uh, um, and then outer region of uh, um, the Greater Toronto area. Um, so I was a, I was the number one sprinter of my age in the one and the two and long jump, and our real eighteen one uh, in Halton, Peel Halton. Uh, so thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. So all through high school, I won. Uh, I won. I was a, the, the top sprinter. Uh, the gap years was actually when I went to Sheridan, uh, went to Sheridan College and was playing basketball for a few years, and which was few meaning three. And then, you know, one day I just decided, I mean, I, I ran against Glenn Roy and a few other guys that were on the national team. And, you know, I mean, I, I hadn't I hadn't beaten them. And so I hadn't lost to them or if they beat me, it was quite close. And I didn't really have. I didn't have a whole lot of training in high school here in Canada. It's, it's, yeah. The track program, uh, the high school track program, especially in Ontario, is only a couple of months unless you're unless you're actually in a track club. And I wasn't in a track. Uh, but yeah, I'd won all through all for you know all the age group. I still have all that. All I, I've got a bunch of records still. Uh, but I took some time off because my number one love, as you said, as, as you said before, basketball. was basketball. Sheridan College, the number one college in the country, um, you know, and I still love ball to this day. I played basketball, you know, last night. So, um, you know, so yeah. So there was a gap. There was a gap for that. And then uh, when I when I the the, the three years 
uh, that I did not play, did not run track, but then I decided I was going to do it after seeing guys that I had competed against in high school. You know what's funny about that D is 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 when you told me <laughs> when you told me that story, man, I was thinking to myself, you know, either that is a massive amount of confidence or a little bit of naiveness, right? Because you go and you see, you see, you see, because you were already in the corporate setting, right? So you already had a good right. foundation there. And then to risk that and to say, you know what, you know, I, I used to lace up these youths when I was running back in the day and then to yeah. go and to see that, right? But it's also a risk that you have to take in order to make it happen, but also that belief in yourself. Where did that come from, man? Because you know, it, it, it's not something to say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to stop this and go into this. Because it's not only going to hurt you from a physical standpoint, but you know, you've been in track long enough to know that every athlete isn't making an amount of good money doing the sport. So that's a risk in itself as well, too. But where did that confidence come from for you to say, yo, I'm just going to go and see what happened? And knowing that it's going to be successful because, you know, sports, man, you never know how it's going to play out. You know what? Um, a good question, actually. Uh, my. I was actually just bored being in a bank and 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 for years I just didn't really you know I didn't I was working inside I was it was just something I'd never found you know stimulating for me like even intellectually stimulating wasn't for me and also at that time I was quite comfortable so I really wasn't motivated financially mm -hmm. um but yeah I mean I saw I saw these guys competing and and for me it really was it's almost like I had a I felt I had a clock mm -hmm. uh where where I was getting older and I wanted to I know there's a comfort in me going back to corporate so I felt that it was just time you know at 21 22 I felt it was I was like oh well if I give it a shot now and it doesn't happen by 24 by 24 you know uh you know 25 I'll be I'll be back here again and I really wouldn't have lost anything I mean like I mean again you said you know maybe two or three years of earning uh, but also, uh, you know, maybe like, you know, you mentioned before, my confidence was, you know, there might have been a little naivete, maybe it's a little arrogance too, because at that age, at 20 years old, at 20, <laughs> in your early 20s, in your, in your early 20s, there's no kid that I know that doesn't feel that they're invincible. Yeah. You know, so so for me, I was like, oh, well, I used to beat them then. I haven't, I've had no major injuries. Um, you know, I've got a, you know, I, I got a 50 inch vertical leap. Uh, I can I can do whatever the hell I want the basketball court. Um, and I used to beat those guys in track field. Why the hell can I not do it? So my very first track meet was I went to go watch Hopeton Taylor and and Andre Mitivia to track me. Um, and this was when I was 21, and I and I just went to go watch them. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I went and like the guys are competing. I'm like, hey, yo, do you come through, man? You know, so I pulled up. Had a white Porsche, parked it on the grass. A lot of people were pissed off. Like, who's this American <laughs> guy? So I showed up, uh, you know, lied about being in a track club, borrowed uh, shorts, borrowed a pair of spikes, uh, a borrowed uh, T-shirt from another track club, and just went and won the 100. Mm. You know, so I was just like, oh, this is easy, right? And, you know, so, I mean, like, again, it's, it, it's a little bit of arrogance, uh, a little bit of confidence, and probably a whole lot of naivety. I just think that, hey, man, I'm invincible. So what the hell? Why not? What am I gonna? What What am I gonna lose if I if I if I if I'm not succeeded here? So, I the, the ability also at that time, and I tell people this, I encourage people to do this. 
you can take chances at that time in life. You, mm. you certainly take some chances. And, uh, you know, if it doesn't work out for you, like I said, if it doesn't work out, if it doesn't kill you and it doesn't work out for you, you're going to be all right. You have a whole lot of life to live ahead of you. Now, now D, let, let, let's do a little bit of math here, man. So this was, this was what, 19, 1990, you came, did it part-time, right? So yeah, that 91, part -time. 91 yeah. so you move into it and essentially kind of hit that stride in what 95 when he broke 10 right so yeah, 94 94 broke 10. 90 but yes spring right yeah so i think spring i think 95. i think like it, it it what you <laughs> i think what you were able to do yes you know it's appreciated and you know what the fact is done but from the other standpoint of what you were able to do and get your time down in what, let's say four and a half years after just saying, you know what, I can beat these guys, right? But you get to 90, 60. We're not even going to talk about the Olympics just yet, right? Every athlete, right, knows when this is going to be a good season, right? Maybe the air is a little bit different. Maybe you're training and you just feel certain things, or it could just be you staying healthier for a longer period of time. But what did that year feel like, D? Just from like, you know, just from the training basis to maybe communication with with Dan, you know, balancing with your teammates. Like what did like did that year feel differently in any capacity to you? You know what's really funny? Um, well, first I'm gonna say no, 96 didn't feel different, right? Um, I, I, the year that felt different was 94. Mm. So because it was because, you know, 91, I came on the scene. I was undefeated indoors until the national championships. Outdoor got hurt. Um, uh, in, in 92 was the same thing. I, I, I got hurt again, but I wasn't training. There was, I had zero training. Like, I mean, you know, when people talk about, oh, so what was your what was your base training like? Well, I'm like, what? what are you talking about? <laughs> I showed up, I got some shoes and I ran. So it wasn't even like I didn't. And, and there was also. No way. I'd never touched weights. Um, I knew nothing about nutrition. I mean, thank God, I knew, I really didn't have terrible eating habits. Mm -hmm. uh, but 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 circle back to your question. 1994 felt different because I actually left Canada and moved to Baton Rouge. I moved and started at LSU training with Dan. Yeah. And so then I kind of. I mean, I knew I belong. And again, it's a whole invincibility or arrogance thing or, or confidence. I knew I belonged and I knew I was one of the best guys in Canada because I was top three in everything that I did. But 94, when I got into a structure, when I understood, like when I got, when I understood nutrition, when I understood what sleep was, dude, mm. you know, when I understand what hydration uh, was, you know, so my, I mean, and, and again, I'll cover all this in the book later. Uh, in, in later the summer, uh, but my my I felt that my coming out party was going to be in Victoria at the Commonwealth Games. Obviously, unfortunately, through politics and sport, that didn't happen. So, like coming off of the year in 1994, I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna crush everybody yeah. next year, right? So 95, I didn't care if I lost every race, but I was not gonna win. That was not gonna lose world. So I sent a message. At our, at our national championships here when I ran 91. And then uh, at um, then I got to Worlds, I'm like, there's no chance. Um, so for me, 1996 was okay. You know, this is all this is all mine. I mean, like for me, it was like I I think there are times, I mean, you have been an athlete at, at, at the highest level before, so you really understand this. I was in my zone, and there's nothing or no one that could get me out of it. Um, 
you know, especially 96. Because for me, you know, just going through a lot of the stuff that I went through in 96, there was absolutely nothing that was going to distract me from the goal. And the goal really was just to get to the finals and light it up. Uh, because, you know, Dan and I were having conversations. Now we, up to recently, we had a conversation. And we talked about 96 and, and you know, the, the gamesmanship that was being played by some of my competitors because they were trying to get out. They were yeah. trying to get out on me, knowing that my top speed was going to bury them regardless. And we actually utilized exactly what a race formula would look like in Lausanne, Switzerland. You know, Dan and I were talking about how it is I was going to execute the race. He said, do you want to crush Frankie and Otto here? Or do you want to wait till the Olympics? This is in <laughs> June. Yeah. You know, so... Again, I, I ran the race. I mean, I, so I, I got out of the blocks. I accelerated, pulled up on Frankie's side, probably about 70 meters, and I just jogged home. Mm. I came off the track, and Dan looked at me and goes, what, you know, Dan smiling with, you know, all this, the tobacco in his teeth. He goes, do you know that you just broke the world record? I'm like, yeah, man. I'm like, yeah, I think I just broke the world. I, but I hadn't, I didn't win the race. I was second. Yeah. But, but, he, said, but he was so satisfied with what, how I executed and how things happened then. Uh, that we knew kind of what was going to happen uh, later on that year. You know, I, I've, I've, you know, obviously training in 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 Phoenix and having accessible to talk to Dan. You know, I asked him one time, and Dan came on the podcast in the first, the second season, and I said, mm -hmm. um, I asked him, I said, Dan, obviously we know the physical gifts and strength that Donovan has, right? People see all that, but. Mm -hmm. I said, man, what, what, but from your perspective, what makes him different? Like, why do you think he was so successful? And, you know, if, if it was anybody else, you know, they might have said, oh, he has the ability, you know, to his turnover and his cadence. But he said, you know, um, Don Donovan has this uncanny ability to compartmentalize, right? Where he was, where he was just like, it didn't matter what it was or who may not have been clean or whatever the case may be. He just didn't care. And I asked Mr. Rose and he says the same thing. He says, I don't understand it. The man just, he's just so locked in and so focused Donovan. So, so, so speak about the mentality of what it takes to be a champion, right? Because not everybody can block out the world, but how were you able to do that in the toughest of moments? Because I'm sure you have to do that in life as well too, and not let that carry over. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I read a lot and I see a lot of, uh, of when people talk about like Kobe with that, uh, uh, Kobe Bryant, with that, that Mamba mentality. Uh, for me, that's maybe that's, maybe that's also the, the Donovan Bailey mentality or, yeah. or whatever my nickname might possibly be. Uh, but I was one of those people that um, I was all in, you know, so like I put my eggs in one basket. You know, that's just because, because like Kobe, I believe I can always build another basket. Again, it could be arrogance, you know, or yeah. it could be confidence, or it could be a little naive, it could be a naive, a naivety. For me, it's, it's just a hundred percent confident, confidence because I believe in myself. But when I put myself in a position to, to want a goal, then nothing else matters to me. And so that's why when, you know, again, when people talk about never put your eggs in one basket, I'm like, oh, hell no, I'm going <laughs> to do that, right? And also, also, I mean, I'm very happy. Again, you know, you know, Mr. Rose, you know, Ken, you know, one of my best friends in the world. And, and also Dan, probably, you know, Dan, Dan, my, Dan is permanently my coach for, for life. Yeah. What in Dan, for instance, 
our level of communication and my belief in what he was writing uh, in my programs and what he believed in, like the things that he believed in me, the things that he saw was also impeccable. And Dan himself, I mean, he can talk about how it is. I, was, I have the ability to compartmentalize. Dan is coaching, sometimes he's coaching three people, 10 people, 30 people. Now imagine that you have a man on the track and his ability to compartmentalize and be very specific and customize his teaching to every single individual yeah. athlete, you know, you know, by themselves. So, so essentially, I got along with Dan incredibly because I had that too. I mean, I, like when I'm locked in, I'm locked in, and I will ignore. I and 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 I had the ability. I still have the ability to ignore everything, especially negative things. That's going to bother. You know, I don't think people realize or probably not realize, but probably don't remember, D, because during that 96 games, man, you had to come. The whole world had to compartmentalize because there was a bomb bombing. Right. And I think that gets a little bit pushed over, D. You're yeah. at 96 now and now you hear this news. You still you're not sure. Probably not sure if it's going to even happen at this point. Right. But what was that experience like, D? Because now you get there. You see what you did the year before. Now you have this. Uh, race with Frankie Fredericks and you said, yo, you just break the record. The record's gone. But it's another thing to do it in one race, but now to do it at the big games, right? right. Where, you know, uh, not a lot of people are really looking at Canada like that all the time, right. right? But now you have this bombing. Now you have the other things that come with it. People saying, yo, you probably shouldn't go. Who knows what could happen? And now you have to encompass that, hold that, and still lock in. What do you remember about that time, D? Was 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 there any part of you that said, "Man, these games might not happen"? Let me tell you something. Uh, I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the full scope again. I'll I'll, I'll cover it later this summer. So, um, one thing I I tore my left adductor in Nice. So that mm. was three weeks before the one hundred meter final. So I was, so I was injured coming into the games. Right. Wow. That's number one. Number two. <laughs> It was a Sports Illustrated article that was written uh, that was a, a massive uproar where I was criticizing, I guess, Canada and America for being racist and <laughs> one being more racist than the other. And remember, this is unlike now where we can sit and have a discussion it's and, and, it, yeah. and, and it's OK and it's OK to talk about, you know, being black and proud and smarter or every every other race for that matter. Uh, that was something that was that that was something that was very in your face and tons of uh, media around it. Now, I get so so again. I ignored both of those things, Kim, and then and then come to the games. Um, I get to the you know I I go through um, first heats doing okay, um, uh, quarterfinals doing fine. Go to bed that night. The bombing happens the night between. Mm. the rounds and the finals wow. right <laughs> so i'm just like so i woke up in the morning the, the bombing happened. i woke up in the morning and um you know sometimes dan messes with you like and dan <laughs> has this crazy he's got this like dry sense of humor i get a dry sarcastic sense of humor which i like because i'm that way too and man he got up i got up in the morning so I, i'm just mosing my way to breakfast and he goes yeah there's a bombing <laughs> and I looked at him and I'm like, I'm like, so I looked at him like, yeah, good one. 
Like, good one, dude. Yeah, I, I'm like, I'm like, you don't even understand. I'm locked into the zone. So this is the conversation I have with him. And he goes, no, no, there's a bombing. So I looked at him, but I didn't, I wanted, like, I obviously did not want to believe him. Yeah. And what he did was he just turned the TV on and he walked out to the back of, back of the house. And I'm like, oh, no. Mm. Right? So the first thought is, again, um, has there been anyone hurt? Right? I mean, you got to think, you, you, in the end, you have, when you're looking at all the layers, has anyone been killed? Right? Um, you know, where did this happen? Did it happen at the stadium? Can we, you know, if we're going to compete, uh, you know, is the track in rubbles? <laughs> right? Number three, and this is probably the most important thing at the time, was are they going to cancel the game? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because this was, again, I went first. I mean, this back then, there was four rounds for the 100 meters. First, there's heats, quarters, semi, and finals. So this happened between, and right smack in the middle. So it was, I thought that Dan was messing with me. But yes, I was like, I can't understand like how, you know, how, how, how stressful that was. I mean, I guess in reflecting and talking to some of the guys, they go, yeah, man, it was nervous. You were quite nervous. Um, but, I, you know, Dan had expected me to run, I think he said something between 961 and 974, yeah. something like that in the finals. But I, but in all of those things, a big part of the bombing, um, you know, took a lot of sail, took a lot of sail, you know, just because that I, I had no clue. I had no clue whether this was going to happen or not. Mm. No mm. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, that's a... That's that's a lot to unpack and even go into. Obviously, it makes right. everything a lot more sweeter because, you know, <laughs> you weren't even 100 percent when you won. You know what I'm saying? And, right. and 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 for you, you talk about that all the time. And, you know, the thing for me, though, D, is when you look back, man, and you have a point where, you know, in Jamaica, we call it whole of meds, right, where it means you can just relax and think about it. When you look back at your career, D. And you've spoken about this many times before, the 96 Olympics on that moment. And people can definitely go and check that out from other interviews. But I didn't want to go there because it's a moment in time, right? And it's a part of the big scheme. And when you think back the, at your athletic career, what, that's 12 world medals in total. Seven of those are goals, right? right when you right. look back, man, what comes to mind, right? Now, you know, Hall of Fame, Walk of Fame. All of the stuff that started out as a, 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 a 2021, 22 year old young man who says, yeah, I see. Yeah, I used to lace up these youths and I'm, I'm going to go back and do it. But sometimes what is naive and then it becomes reality, it actually becomes this feat that comes and you're thinking to yourself, holy crap, you're like, what did I just do? Do you ever have those moments, D? You know what I'm saying? Like, did you feel like you overachieved? Did you feel like this is what you expected to do? When you sit and you reflect, or but what does it make you think of? Because what you've been able to do based off just you saw kids that you used to beat, that's a movie, man. That don't just happen. You know what? Um, funny enough, I kind of felt I underachieved just because, just because of times that I think that I was capable of running. And it's not just me saying this. A lot of it comes from Dan. A lot of like Dan's like, like I'll talk to Dan and he'll say to me, uh, last year we we're having conversations around um uh the world's last year or the olympics last year and he said do you know the shoe 
And the track that they're running on right now, if you're running, you'd be running 9-4. I'm like, damn, oh. don't say those words. <laughs> I'm like, come on, what's wrong with you? No, but I'm just saying to you that I can't, like, I am never going to be not satisfied with what it is that I achieved. Um, uh, I, I did it drug-free. I trained my ass off, uh, you know, and, and, and for me, the legacy was to play it forward. So again, people like yourself, which obviously I've spoken to you many, many times over the years about your training and your abilities and, and all the other teammates that you have and what Andre's taking it forth right now. I capitalized on the opportunity that I had then. I, I prepared myself for the opportunities that I had. I had, I had a major injury. I mean, I, my career was not done because I couldn't run fast anymore. Yeah, I mean, I Achilles. ran 998 on one leg. I mean, my Achilles, my Achilles blown and shredded and was, uh, and, and, and was surgically re, um, uh, repaired um, and, and basically glued to the back of my heel, and I ran 998. So I utilized the time that I have. Absolutely no regrets. I mean, I spent my time... Uh, you know, thinking about what is I can do to help and playing it forward. And that's really what I try to do today. That's really like what I, what I try to do from I retire, I mean, whether or not it's as an analyst, uh, you know, I do some TV work, um, a little bit on acting. Uh, I speak a lot. Uh, I'm, I'm on several boards. So, I mean, there's, there's, um, so I try to, I, as well as obviously talking to a whole lot of, sprinters that are that are that are in the world right now that are at that's at that crossroads trying to, to you know to navigate through things trying to understand what yeah. it's like to have you know you know some people are making millions and millions of dollars and you're making a couple of thousand bucks and you're only one or two lanes over you know what i mean so and, and that's a disparity also that the entire world doesn't really understand so what i try to do is kind of fill the gap gap to some of the kids with information that I can help uh, impart upon them, and hopefully they will become productive in what they're trying to get. Uh, I, I spoke to OJ Duberin last month, and he Good said, kid. "Man, you've been, you've been, you've been really helping him in that forefront." And you know, D, we could we could talk for another two, three more hours about a whole bunch of different things. But before we finish up, man, I wanted to, I want to touch base on your new book coming out, man. Why? Why now? Why is this the right time for the book? And, and, and what's the message you hope to get across? Well, man, well, you know, I, I, there's lots of books that's been written, lots of articles that's been written that I have never had an authority on or, or, or given permission to write. And so there's and so something so this there are lots of articles that I've read about me that I'm thinking, <laughs> who the hell are they talking about? Like what 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 planet? What planet? Where does the story come from? Yeah. So I, I just think that uh, I get asked a lot. I mean, because I do a lot of appearances still. Yeah. I do a lot of TV work. Uh, you know, I'm filming a docuseries also. Um, I get asked questions, and sometimes the questions come from left field, and I have no idea. So the book, what it does, it provides um, factual information mm -hmm. from me and my life. Uh, and I think it's the right. I think I think it's the right time. I think it's the right time. Also, um, a big part of that also is is, is dealing with uh, anti-black racism. A lot of stuff that I dealt with back then. Not because I'm an activist, because I'm definitely not. Uh, but I think that I'd use my platform to kind of encourage um, equality uh, amongst everyone. Uh, you know. So so I think that the perfect time for the book 
is now because I can definitely talk about my story and, and, and certainly point out some things that I went through that I probably shouldn't have and things that my teammates went through that uh, they shouldn't have and, and, and society at large. When does it come out, D? Uh, it'll be out in uh, August, September of this year. September of this year, um, a Penguin Random House Global. Man, that that that's going to be a wicked book because you know it is it's it's a lot of things that you've been through that I've been privy to based on our circle that that I know that you know we could definitely get into hours on end. But you know, D, the 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 one thing I always respected about you, man, is the fact that you keep going. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I've been privy to some of the stories that that should have broke you. You know, mm -hmm. but here you are still keeping pushing forward and the light that you shine with it, man. So again, D, I appreciate your time, man. I appreciate all that you do. You know, we got to run some dominoes at some point down the road. <laughs> we can talk about that a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. For sure, man. I, You know what? Well, first of all, great being on with you. Uh, continue doing amazing work. You know that I'm part of your support system. I'm always going to be there for you. Um, you know, you're not my little brother, so maybe my son, whatever. <laughs> um, but but again, you know, Ken's my brother, Dan's my coach, yeah. and we. So yes, that so that circle is still there. We're always going to be supportive of each other to um, to make sure that we're all whatever it is that we put on here to do. Yeah. You continue to strive for greater things. I'm always going to be a student, so I'm certainly going to learn from people who know more than me, or uh, who are older than me, and people who know more than me. Who are younger than me. So again, we continue doing great work and we can get on this at any time. Yes, we <laughs> certainly can be on this for days. And there's a billion things that we can talk about. But we'll let this one ride today. D appreciate you, man. Much love, man. We'll uh we'll, we'll talk very soon. Yeah, absolutely, man. Take care. Have a great year, man. We'll chat. You as well, D. Thanks again. All right, peace out.